Love the British monarchy? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily Podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. Richard Fitzwilliams, thank you so much for talking to To Die For Daily. I'm Kinsey Schofield. I have probably watched your royal commentary. I mean, I don't remember how old I was when I started watching your royal commentary, but that's you are just a staple to me when it comes to getting the gossip and getting all the goods on the royal family. But what I love about you is that everything you say is coming from this really brilliant PR perspective. It's not catty. It's not what it's coming from is strategically they failed here or strate- strategically this is a win. So I'm so excited to have the opportunity to talk to you. Oh, it's a very kind uh, introduction, Kinsey. And I, I'm, you know, royalty has fascinated me ever since I was a child. I, I grew up with a picture of the Queen on the horse Burmese saluting the photograph. Uh, I'm trooping the colour above my bed. My parents were monarchists and very, very keen on the institution. And also, you know, I was brought up with a love of it, a love for the tradition and the ceremonial, and also what it means, not only the power it has, which isn't considerable these days, but the power it denies to others in an era where we're so disillusioned with so many of our politicians. And I mean, there's nothing new about that, but we have, for example, as well you know, the Queen, an exemplar in all things. And I mean, talk about her dedication to duty and a lifetime of service. It's truly remarkable. But it is fascinating also going back over these centuries. I mean, you had some superb monarchs and you had some shockers, of course. And then also how fascinating I find to see younger people today so interested in, for example, Henry VIII or Elizabeth I or uh, Queen Anne or King George III, because you can see films that feature them, which is so interesting. And I do think, you know, the debate about the crown, I'd be very interested to know what you think of that. Uh, This has, has been quite a staple of uh, British television and film fare recently, and also a film like, say, Helen Mirren in The, the Queen, very interesting, almost a docudrama, holds up well, quite controversial, but dealing with part of our history that's it's almost part Diana's death, it's almost part of, I would say, almost of a mythology, really. Okay, well, I'm glad that you mentioned how important it, you know, the royals have become to film and television, because what I wanted to reach out to you about specifically was I'm fascinated by this comparison, uh, Robert Pattinson in the new Batman to Prince Harry. Can you explain that to me? I would have personally watching the film, which is beautiful. And I loved it. I would have never, ever thought that's Prince Harry. But after I heard your explanation, I thought, oh my God, is it? (laughs) Well, it's, Put it this way, I think it is director Matt Reeves, and I must say, I think he's made a wonderful film. I'm not a superhero fan on the whole. Uh, Black Panther was the one exception before because it tapped into African myth and legend. And here with the Batman, and I find myself two hours and 56 minutes gripping at my seat in quite a (laughs) few differences. Um, I'm fascinated by the way, uh, I would say that the comparison is a little bit mischievous perhaps, but there is a certain relevance. After all, Batman, aka Bruce Wayne, I mean, the Waynes were one of the two major families that built up Gotham City. 
And it's with this in mind, the fact that his parents, of course, the tragedy there, the murder, uh, that this is something in Bruce's past. And of course, Prince Harry, and we mentioned Diana, and we think back as to an extraordinary outpouring of grief that occurred there in the country too. But the fact that he was traumatized by it and also still is, and has frequently referred to his struggles in this regard, uh, the fact that he's trying to help others with mental health problems, but also that he's grappled with his own. When we first meet Bruce, and of course the Riddler in this movie is the, the super villain and indeed uh, knows how to infuriate and tantalize uh, Batman, the Batman because with the first murder which is very dramatic I want to save things for spoilers this is a movie that relies so heavily on the way the impact of a very very surprising visuals even a car chase for example can be impressive I mean I really really I liked it uh, and I'm a film critic as you know in in uh, another um, one of my interests, but this idea that the Waynes and the Bruce Wayne particularly, he, he isn't active in civic duties. The pressures on him are very considerable to be active. And at the beginning of the movie, and of course he has Alfred who's there to take him off and trying to, to help and so forth. And of course he served her parents, but is there anything in the way in background that could be perhaps a bit suspect. I mean, of course, as the film progresses, you will definitely find that there is. Uh, and to what extent is or has Bruce Wayne withdrawn? I mean, he visits us. There's a certain funeral early in the um, mm -hmm. in the film, and when he visits uh, or, or attends the funeral, and this is a scene that you will not forget. Uh, he hasn't been out and about performing civic duties for some time. So there is, with tragedy in the past and with the pressures of civic life and the pressures also of being rich and established, uh, you can see, of course, he might feel a bit trapped. It was this that Matt Reeves said to Robert Patterson, uh, think when you're thinking of Bruce Wayne, think of the British royal family, and then, you know, you might get a certain inspiration for aspects of the character. You could say it's a little bit mischievous, but also it got a, it got a headline in the Daily Telegraph here. No, I, I thought that that was really interesting because I, as, as I watched it, uh, and you'll maybe be familiar with this because you are a film critic, but to me, I wondered how much of it was Robert Pattinson because he seemed so reluctant. He seemed so against celebrity when his star really blew up. So then to hear you describe the similarities to Prince Harry, I thought, you know what? That really does make sense because I truly think that if Prince Harry could just be a soccer dad in Montecito, California, he would. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if he enjoys all the attention that he gets. I think Megan might enjoy it, but I don't think that Prince Harry necessarily does. I think it's a very interesting question because I think he was brought up to be, um, well, as it were, the spare. He knew he would never be a future king, but I, I thought, and I wrongfully thought, that he was satisfied with that sort of role. There have been a lot of suggestions among royal commentators that in point of fact, Harry didn't like being regarded as the royal wild child and a bit of a joke. And 
wasn't quite as at ease with William as we thought. But in my view, both brothers were inseparable. And there's no doubt that one of the tragedies is that they've taken very, very different roads. And I see no, no um, rift being healed, unfortunately, because what you're looking at now is a memoir that Harry is writing that's coming out in the autumn now. The problem is what is going to be in that book. It's very difficult after Oprah, which is just over a year ago, and I thought was so destructive, yeah. uh, and also open to different interpretations, and there were full of it was inaccurate in, in in a lot of it, as the Queen said so well, although there was very little she could say, the damage had been done, some recollections may vary. <laughs> Uh, you know, what do you think we might get out of that book? I'm specifically wondering if he might um, be critical of Camilla becoming queen consort. That is what is thought, because it's very hard to see without exacerbating the feud, uh, the rift with his father and his brother. And also, if he were to criticize Catherine, I think, that that would be very ill-judged. But then I think that to have a memoir bringing it out this year, I mean, it's obviously commercially linked, but you do wonder what Harry and Meghan are doing when it comes to commercial matters. The Spotify uh, paid a lot of money reportedly, but they've only put out one podcast. And Netflix, uh, there are a couple of series coming out, or at least there's the film about the Invictus and Meghan has a series. Uh, that's not that much. They haven't had any public speaking engagements, as far as I can see, the way they might do. It doesn't seem, of course, the birth of baby Lily in the past year, but they haven't done a great deal. They've made certain speeches and comments in um, support of the causes that we know they uh, have been helping, and some of them are excellent. The facts of the matter are, of course, I thought that I'm sure you did, that they'd be wonderful uh, as members of the royal family and giving it a contemporary edge, a very, very different feel, something that appealed to younger people and also around the Commonwealth and the wider world. But of course, this was not to be. And the problem with the um, attack, if it is intended, about uh, on Camilla, uh, this is what the speculation is that it might be. I think it would be very harmful, but uh, I do think the Queen, would, I don't you was, was so, so right to solve this problem, which has always been, uh, there's been a question mark over it. Uh, and in, in the case of Prince Charles ascending to the throne, as things were, uh, she was supposed to become Princess Consort, which has no historical precedent at all. And you'd actually have to have an, an act of parliament passed here and in the 15 realms in the Commonwealth for her to have the title, which hasn't got any real meaning. So in fact, it was always, uh, meant to smooth over the feelings of those who, of course, couldn't forgive her for what they believe she did during the marriage and to Diana. Yeah, I actually was surprised at how many people I saw really supportive of the Queen's statement. I thought I would see more pushback, but I'd say that the majority of the reaction I saw online was supportive towards the Queen with the Camilla statement. Um, maybe it's just because I'm in the States and the States, because of the crown, the states are still very critical of Charles and Camilla, almost, I would say, directly because of that, that show reintroducing us to that scandal. A very, very interesting point that you will have seen Camilla meeting her younger self at Emerald Fennel this week. 
<laughs> so cute. I love that. <laughs> I mean, I'm a great admirer of Emerald Fennell. I mean, she was responsible for uh, for uh, Promising Young Woman, which I, I thought was absolutely brilliant. And I thought she gave a very good performance as Camilla in The Crown. But of course, as you know, uh, it took uh, Diana's side, as I think people expected that it would. But we've also got 20 more episodes to come. And I mean, this is going to deal with the 1990s. And that was a catastrophe, as you know, for the monarchy. As a result, you are going to have a series that further... It's going to be tough viewing for those of us who firstly don't like inaccuracy, which yeah. is so characterized some of it, but despite the brilliant production values, I think there should be a disclaimer myself just to remind people this is fiction. I mean, that that is a great point because I do think too many Americans accept it as fact because it's just close enough. And so they accept all of it as fact because they can Google something and see, oh, he did cheat on her. So this all must be true. What do you think about Olivia Coleman's performance as the queen? Because I'm under the impression that the queen is a much nicer individual. I've never had the pleasure of meeting her, but I don't like the roughness, the, 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 the toughness and um, just the, in, I, I don't know. She just doesn't seem like a sincere person you could go to talk to, to tell that you have problems. Just, you know, I understand that the queen might be uncomfortable talking about those things, which Diana kind of laid out in some of her secret interviews. But I don't think that she is a, is this brick wall that she seems to be in, in the crown or in the queen, which is, you know, by the same man. Well, it's interesting because there is a fascinatingly complex attempt by Peter Morgan, uh, who is a Republican, he regards the monarchy, he said this openly, he is very good at writing about it and also mixing politics and uh, royalty, which he does superbly, but he regards it as a form of virus. And if you look at the way, for example, in The Queen, Helen Mirren played someone who Firstly, she cared about her grandchildren. And also there was, in Diana's death, there was no precedent. She was reliant, it's true, on Tony Blair, but also she didn't want or didn't feel she wanted to have the press and uh, what she would have considered public opinion, which had been risen to unthinkable levels. Of course, the Queen is in Scotland in Balmoral. She doesn't, uh, she's told what's happening in London and what's happening in London requires a different response. She eventually gives it. And when that happens, that defuses things. There was a human level that, I thought that performance communicated. I thought it was very well scripted and you had um, good supporting performances. Uh, Helen Mirren has always, although we don't know what the Queen thought of her performance, she did ask Helen Mirren, I think it was for dinner, to Buckingham Palace, uh, though Mirren couldn't go. It, she felt that this was an indication that her performance might well have been appreciated. So far as your point about the Crown's concerned, and I do think this is very serious, the first two seasons of the crown i thought bar one disgraceful episode about the duke of edinburgh's sister which was a total invention uh, there was a tragic uh, air crash in which she and uh, her child died in uh, the 1930s and in the crown the series implies that philip well, had a certain responsibility uh, for her being on that plane which is complete rubbish that was very very cruel but that apart it was fascinating the way politics and uh, the royal 
issues were mixed up. I was superbly acted with uh, Jared Harris as George the Sixth for coughing blood into a lavatory. Well, of course, in the first scene, so we know he's he's ill, which indeed he is. But you've got a wonderful cast: Alex Jennings as the Duke of Windsor, John Lithgow, American actor Churchill, sublime performance. And what you've also got is Claire Foy as the Queen, which I thought worked so well, didn't you? Oh, I loved her. I thought she was just so enchanting. And exactly. And here's the Faustian pact I had with Crown. On the one hand, we had Claire Foy, who was shy, rather conservative, rather cautious. After all, she was only 25 and she was dealing with the likes of Churchill. And then afterwards, the disastrous Anthony Eden. But it was a fascinating, it, it hooked you. It was a fascinating glimpse at the corridors of power and it all looked so well. And what I hadn't fully realized was the fact that Olivia Coleman, I think you're absolutely right, in the third and fourth seasons, because although some of it was amusingly scripted or some entertaining episodes, such as Princess Margaret and Lord Snowden's visit to the Bulgarian Lyndon Johnson at the White House, this sort of thing, facts were that um, Olivia Coleman was rather cold, course, uh, the royals were portrayed, and the Queen has dignity, she has charm, I have had the honour of meeting her, and indeed it, it, it's a very, very important to notice that she's not someone who would look down as Coleman seems to. The role not only lacks dignity, but, but it's, it's, it's a crude, um, it's rather a crude interpretation. She was the wrong person, as Claire Foy was the right person. But also the royals are portrayed as a sort of mafia. They're, they're snobbish, they're very bad-mannered. Look at the way they behave to Margaret Thatcher when she goes to Balmoral. No one would behave like that. In fact, one might or might not like Thatcher is not the point. Um, she makes a very, well, as expected, I thought, having seen the audience also with Helen Merrin about the Queen's uh, audiences with her prime ministers and the was on stage. Uh, Thatcher was the villain there, and Thatcher was always going to be played by Gillian Anderson, the villain here. But uh, it's it's simply not only inaccurate, uh, much of it, and rather cruel. Prince Philip is always a bit of a layabout and someone who's always discontented and someone who's always got a roving eye and so forth. That becomes a bit tedious. And Matt Smith and Tobias Menzies, they both do their best, but it's not much of a role. And quite honestly, uh, Joshua Connor as Prince Charles, I mean, he's so utterly useless, you wouldn't allow him to run anything, much less uh, um, the Prince's Trust, which has helped, as you know, over a million people, uh, young disadvantaged people, so he can run things. Um, Vanessa Kirby, I thought, very good as Princess Margaret in the first uh, couple of seasons, and most certainly uh, Helen the Bonham Carter's hilarious, but... The second, uh, the, the third and fourth seasons, I thought was they were cruel, they distorted fact, but also it was perfectly obvious when Peter Morgan said that um, whereas you can play around with facts sometimes, you must always uh, not desert the truth. I, I don't think he, so long as his anti-monarchist message got across, and remember, by then it got 75 million people and Netflix released the figures that are up to the first couple of seasons watching. I don't think he minded. I think uh, I, the monarchy will not look forward to the remaining two seasons. 
I know. I wanted to know, did you interpret that last episode as Prince Philip uh, threatening Princess Diana? Because I did. And I thought this is a dangerous path to go down. I did interpret it as a form of a threat. And that's the way that that Diana very well played, I would say, by Emma Corrin. I thought that she handled the um, role superbly as an actress, but just as Emerald Fell was very good as Camilla Parker Bowles. So you, you get an impression of uh, an ingenue, but someone who's perfectly well aware what, that she'd love to snare a prince and someone who, of course, when they go to the Antipodes and she realizes she's really got pulling power and she begins to realize it and the marriage is a sham. Charles was, Charles was portrayed too negatively. Yes, I did uh, think that uh, there was a form of a threat, but not in the sense of we're going to see anything uh, particularly um, uncomfortable in that area. You, you, you will recall Muhammad al-Fayed always uh, and made the most bizarre and um, horrendous claims about Prince Philip and Diana's accident. No, 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 we won't get that. And I think also okay. the Crown will have to be very, very careful the way, obviously, it deals with the notorious Panorama interview, which, as you know, was obtained with such duplicity and had such disastrous fallout. Absolutely, yeah. No, I'm interested to see that. But um, I, I do think that and I hate, I hate to even bring this up. I hate the conspiracies, but I do think that the more animosity there is towards the Royal family in the States, and that exists because of that Oprah Winfrey interview that I just don't think people cared about the Royal family in the States until that Oprah Winfrey interview. Obviously we, the, Megan helped to reignite this interest in the Royal family and it was positive, but I don't think that Americans really had a, you know, a player in the game. I don't really think that they had an opinion about it until the Oprah Winfrey interview. And now that people have decided that they're on Harry and Meghan's team, those terrible, ugly, yucky conspiracies are coming back around. And so when I saw it at the end of the crown, what felt like an exchange, what felt like a person, you know, a, perhaps a threat, I thought, please, please don't go down this path on this show because I just don't want to do anything to encourage that. You know, there was a driver that had too much alcohol in his system. She wasn't wearing her seatbelt. She was at the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, let's just accept what the facts are. She was being chased by photographers. So um, I'm glad to hear you say that you don't believe that we will hear any of the conspiracy talk on the show. Absolutely. It's very, very important to bear the facts in mind. I'm convinced that the Crown, uh, when it comes to uh, telling parts of it straight, uh, they're going to fiddle around with a lot of the drama. But remember, they uh, they are uh, have an anti-monarchist message, I'm afraid. It's perfectly clear now. And also, they've also got a decade in the 1990s, which was a disaster for the royals. It's well worth remembering, however, that by 2002, when the Guardian newspaper was predicting, you know, people wouldn't turn out other than perhaps those who remembered her in wartime for the Queen Mother, or uh, there would be little interest in the Golden Jubilee, and look how wrong they turned out to be. So I do think that come June, we're going to get a wonderful 
set of celebrations that will be a blaze of color. It will bring rejoicing to a nation that's had two tough years of uh, so many others have in the, with the pandemic. And of course, at the moment, we've got a, a brutal war going on in Europe as well, you know. So it's, it is a very difficult time. And this will be something that I think that where the monarchy will seem, will be a uh, symbolic of national unity, where you'll be celebrating an absolutely unique achievement. The fact that the Queen has um, uh, 70 years, I mean, no one had managed that before. Queen Victoria, of course, had her diamond jubilee, and uh, she was elderly and frail at the time. She, in fact, it was a service held uh, in the front of St. Paul's, and the carriage paused for a while, and then she went for a drive and so forth. Look at the amazing robustness of the Queen. It's true her health has been a little unkind recently, but uh, looking positively, um, I'm sure she is looking forward to it. No, no, regarding as setting in Britain, you don't have discussion or much, if any, discussion about uh, conspiracies. Right. But it's absolutely true that obviously, of course, Diana is, as you know, always in the news. There was the unveiling of the statue the, earlier this year. Next year is, as you say, the 25th anniversary of her tragic death. And also, of course, Harry's book will deal with that period. Yeah. To what extent uh, it deals with Camilla um, Parker Bowles as she was then, uh, we will have to wait and see. But his intention of writing a memoir coming only uh, in the next year after Oprah, I, I do think that it's made it very, very difficult for members of the royal family to talk to him, to say anything to them. You might get Gail King or Omid Scobie repeat it. Uh, it's happened before. And then, of course, looking forward, you might find the conversation in the book and you might find the conversation perhaps wasn't exactly what you said. Who knows? Okay, I have to ask a petty question because yeah, you said something during the during our conversation about the crown and this question just keeps knocking me in the brain. Do you think that Fergie is feeling excluded? Do you think that Fergie wishes she had more involvement in, in the production or that she was a, a character because in both Spencer and in both the crown, she is such a background character and that's not the way it was in real life. I mean, she truly was Diana's, you know, kind of a partner in crime for a while. Oh, she was indeed, and of course, fatefully fell out with her. Um, well, you shouldn't write about warts on your feet, okay? We don't want to hear about that. Neither does <laughs> no, Diana. That's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. It's very, very sad. And so far as Fergie's concerned, of course, I mean, I don't know that she would wish to be a character in The Crown. Uh, she loves publicity. She loves any form of show, but that's let her down very badly in the past, you know. And of course, you think back in the 1990s, I mean, are they going to show the toe-sucking episode? Uh, I mean, it was extraordinary. She was staying at Balmoral, and of course, all the papers were spread over in the uh, tables for the family to come down. And they came down, and they looked what they saw. And the Duke of Edinburgh had views, which uh, I personally sympathize with uh, it is said that subsequently he would never appear in the same room or wouldn't wish to be in the same room or indeed particularly in the same house I think as uh, as Fergie of course she's 
she has remained very loyal to Andrew. There's no question about that. He's in total disgrace. It's been a disastrous period for him. Uh, indeed, it's, uh, I would say, international disgrace. I mean, his, his interview with Emily Matus in Buckingham Palace, uh, and where he showed no remorse for Epstein's victims, and of course, more for his friendship with Epstein. Uh, it was a disaster of Krakatoan proportions. You can't. Uh, it, the entitlement is, is absolutely bizarre. So uh, would Fergie wish to be in the crown? Uh, she might very well be. If, will she be? I suspect that she isn't really interesting enough to be. Uh, she would not be pleased about that. But then uh, she was a disaster as a royal and all one can say um, regarding the various children of the Queen, of course, three out of four have been divorced. But the scene where the Queen actually has to have an inquiry, brief her on her children before she sees them all. I mean, that is one of the scenes in a uh, quite recent uh, season of The Crown. And that is an absolutely ridiculous scene, yeah. um, scene because obviously that implies she doesn't know her own children. And that's, that's just daft. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what did you think about Fergie's v Queen Victoria movie? Um, I, I'd specifically like to know your thoughts on the casting of Emily Blunt, because I think she's absolutely precious. I don't know if I would have ever thought of her as Queen Victoria, but I did like her in this movie. Yes, I, I agree. And I think, uh, I mean, Fergie did have something to do with that uh, that film. I think she was involved in the production or was one of the producers or, or some such. Uh, I, I thought it was a rather charming film uh, with a, a very, very sympathetic look at Queen Victoria and reminding us, and this is so important, I think, and people have realised this since the Diamond Jubilee of the Queen, because we started then to look back on Queen Victoria's life. And apart from this, this image of someone who was Puritan and modern muse and didn't care for parties, and of course was very prudish. I mean, there was that side to her, but she was in mourning for the rest of her life after the Albert's tragic death, as you know. But on the other hand, there, there's no doubt that, you know, she was a very vivacious, lively, sometimes absolutely impossible and temperamentally young uh, princess. And of course, well, she loved sex. She was full of fun. Uh, the way she did at Buckingham Palace, the ballroom and so on. Uh, I mean, only Albert had lived because, of course, this was one of the world's greatest uh, royal romances. And Emily Blunt, I thought, was perfectly cast as Victoria. Indeed, there was a very good series, albeit stretched out a bit, a uh, little experimental, uh, on, um, it was BBC ITV on Victoria too. So, she she got, I think that with Judy Dench's performances, up with Billy Connolly, particularly in Mrs. Brown, um, and also Victoria and, uh, and Abdul, where Judy Dench was superb. That was the older Victoria, and it it humanized her, and it also showed where John Brown was so important because after Albert's death, Victoria went into this this depression, becoming a sort of a form of a waxwork. Uh, she wouldn't participate in her royal duties or appear in public, and uh, she was she needed somebody to move her out of it. And the rough, gilly John Brown, superbly played by Billy Connolly, this wonderful scene between the two of them, because there was a love of a sort there. Um, it's probably most unlikely that they were physically consummated, but 
no one has seen um, the journals of the period, I understand, and there are all sorts of rumours of what could have gone on. Was there a keepsake of John Brown's placed in Victoria's coffin, this sort of thing? I, it, it's very, very interesting that there's a scene, the two of them, where Victoria, played by Judy Dench, says to John Brown, played by Billy Connolly, very, very sensitively, I cannot live without you. And by live, of course, she means being on having some sort of vivacity and having some sort of, you know, being a complete person because she she become almost become a museum piece. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. You were so blatantly honest about your reaction to the movie Spencer. And I was much more delicate in mine because um well, I was, if I'm being honest, I was trying to interview Kristen Stewart. So I was being a lot nicer than you were. But I'd love your response to the movie Spencer. Well, Spencer's the director of Spencer made Jackie. And when you make a film as successful as Jackie with Natalie Portman, uh, and that was absolutely fascinating because you could see how uh, Jackie had, um, had, Kennedy had created this myth of Camelot after her husband's death and how successful it was. And the movie really, really scored. So that's why I was looking forward to Spencer. I thought it would be intelligent, but equally it was a vision, but a, a vision of an individual and Diana, of course, was at its center. And it was an imagining of what happened in that, that final Christmas. And of course, without giving out over spoilers, it, it rather over imagines that the original poster was showing that uh, Diana throwing up over a lavatory bowl. And it's a curious poster to be sure. Equally, if you swallow pearls, uh, then that is what might happen, which is what she does. Well, there are a few gimmicks in this movie which simply don't work. Well, that's one of them. A second gimmick is to have the ghost of Anne Boleyn keep appearing beside it. It's really not necessary. Uh, I mean, whereas you could argue that symbolically that is what happened to her, uh, it certainly doesn't work. It's very, very stiff and starchy uh, as, a, as a concept. It, it, it's, I, I thought it, um, no, I wouldn't say stiff and starchy, I, I'd say it's a, it's, a, it's a bogus concept because yeah. it doesn't work. And I got the impression it was a personal film, it's always a personal take, he's every right to that, his own imaginings, but it, it simply didn't work. And the reason I thought it didn't work, because it's just, she looked like Diana, to be sure. But if your voice is wrong, she was just too breathy. <laughs> and if you feel somebody isn't convincing and you get the wrong, the wrong tone, so to speak, even if visually it's quite it's effective enough and they've got some rather good uh, bit parts including Sally Hawkins and um, Timothy Spall as you know top British actors it's not it's I, I without spoiling it climactically fairly well I would say that the uh, last sequence involving a shoot really really uh, it's this is unsubtle stuff what you've got is a tragedy, and it was playing out then, and as you were saying, the Morton book was soon to cause enormous shock because this isn't something that's ever been done. And there is no doubt that metaphorically, it was a very, very difficult period for her, and this was 
what was at the heart of the film. I think one of the problems, though, with that film is that it did lack drama because you had these ideas, the pearls, the Anne Boleyn's ghost, the way they play up in the shooting scene, but not much happens. It's supposed to be a film about Kristen Stewart, how she plays Diana, but how interesting is it? We had dramas of plenty to come, but this was a two-star to five film, and not, I mean, without letting my own views in, about what happened in one way or another impinge too much. Uh, as, a, as a drama, Jackie was five stars, but Pablo Lorraine could do better. Uh, it, it was a rather, well, it was glossy in a, in a sense, because, I mean, obviously you had safe visuals of the countryside and it looked quite impressive. And so that's not difficult. But what the heart of the film was Diana. And she was not, she looked the part, yes, but it wasn't convincing because if you got the wrong speech, uh, you well, the person doesn't convince. And it's stilted, and this was stilted. Absolutely. All right, one more question, then I'll let you go. As a PR expert, what advice would you give Prince Harry and Meghan Markle based on everything that's happened today? You know, they have they have enormous potential, and Time Magazine made them one of their, I think they have seven covers for their top 100, and they were one of them. Now, Time believes that uh, they've got the Netflix and Spotify deal, and there are all sorts of rumors that Meghan might choose politics. Um, it's also a question of whether or not Oprah and its inaccuracies and uh, some of the the half-truths in that might one day come back to haunt her if she did. And also, it's an open question whether uh, the American public would like uh, Megan Duchess of uh, uh, Sussex and so uh, like the title it's there are huge question marks I appreciate totally the work that Harry wants to do for Invictus and mental health the work that she wants to do uh, for those also for mental health for um, the disadvantaged for persons of color and discriminate against discrimination and so forth and to help women and women's rights it's always been part and parcel of what she's wanted to do to what extent that actually and this is the next year the next few years are very important uh, because America, which you wanted to go into politics, America, as you know, is a somewhat of a gerontocracy for obvious reasons, with Presidents Biden and Trump as examples, uh, not to mention from Chuck Schumer to uh, Nancy Pelosi. So you, you, she has plenty of time. How will she use that time? Uh, what advice I would give them? I would say, so far as she's concerned, we know that she gets, uh, she's close to her mother. Uh, we know that the rest of the relations with her family, partly through no fault of her own, are disastrous. And also she's created a rift with the royal family, uh, or at least worsened it by Oprah and certain other statements and bits of behavior, uh, and statement, certain other statements and also behavior in some fields. They, they clearly are resentful. But if they want or whatever future they want, and they're completely unpredictable, in my opinion, don't keep knocking the British royal family, or, or should I say, don't keep knocking um, your family, which it is. It's, um, it's, they have a very destructive side, and Oprah showed that very clearly. So my advice, you're, they're always talking about 
freedom and positivity, which is excellent. But there's no positivity if Harry produces a book which is going to cause harm in the Jubilee year to the Queen. So if you talk positive, it's high time they acted positive when it came to the royal family. Great advice. Oh my gosh, Richard, thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again on my TV since I, I do so regularly. Oh, that's very kind, Kinsey, and it's been lovely chatting, and I've much enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the To Die For Daily Podcast with Kinsey Schofield. A transcript of this chat is available at todiefordaily.com. Please subscribe to hear more from your favorite royal commentators. Cheers. Sorry to interrupt, but it's really important that we use this space for good. So quickly, I want to tell you about Dogs Matter. Dogs Matter is the first nonprofit that provides free foster care for dogs of alcoholics and addicts. Don't worry about your fur baby as you navigate sobriety. Dogs Matter is here to help. Find out how you can foster a pet or contribute at dogsmatter2.org. And that's the number two, dogsmatter2.org.